Okay, so here's how this is going to work. This is going to be interactive. You already submitted questions, but this is how it's going to work. So if you guys want to switch over, pull out your smartphones. I know you have your iPhones, unless you're an Android user, in which case, apologies to you. Hey, um, first, first question of the night. Um, what's that toxic mug about? Oh, yeah, I think we should talk about this. So... First of all, we have a variety of mugs. Um, mine is this mug. If you can't see it, it says toxic. Um, I didn't buy this for myself because that indeed would be toxic. Um, but my good friend, Alexia, was in TJ Maxx, um, and she said she saw it and thought of me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure that's better. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's equally as toxic, so it's fine. Also, this color is toxic. Somebody told me it was their favorite color after I said that, so... Sorry about you, Jenna. Okay, um, and Drew's mug. Drew, say what your mug says. Uh, my mug was also a gift to me, representing just as Rachel's represents her personality accurately. <laughs> Completely. Mine represents mine. Uh, it says, I'm sorry for what I said when I was cold. So, and that's why us. we're here tonight instead <laughs> of at right, the table. That's right. Drew is very cold-natured. Yep. Um, okay, so you have your iPhones out. You have your smartphones out. Um, I want you to go ahead and join. If you go to menti.com, menti.com, and then you use the code. It's just like Kahoot, but you guys get it. You know how to do it. Enter the code. We're going to do a few um, fun rounds to get us started, um, and we'll kind of use this. We'll show you some questions that you guys sent in, um, kind of grouped together, and then there will be some that you guys can chime in um, to kind of get us going on the questions. So... If you're in or not, we're starting. Okay, so can everybody see this question? You see on your phones, go ahead and vote. Best fast food chicken restaurant in Stillwater. This one reminds me of like bacteria under a microscope. This is how biology works, everyone. Take it back to your classes. No love for Golden Chick. Come on. As this it should golden be. Chicken. There we go. All right. Okay. Well, Chick-fil-A, of course, the obvious favorite, Raising Cane's. To whoever is keeping Golden Chick in business, you six are, <laughs> you guys are loyalists. Okay, let's move on. Taylor Swift's new album. How do we feel about it? I know we've got some Swifties in here. Um, I made this slide and I put Adele for president because that's what I believe. So I know she's British, but I don't care. Oh, no. Oh, no, Taylor Swifties. I heard that there was a party of people who stayed up until, well, 11 since we were in whatever time zone we're in and they listened to it all the way through and they were very strict about no speaking while they were listening to it so that's right that's right hashtag Adele for president okay here we go what is Alex spirit animal Jeez. you, you can enter, enter a, a word, word. Hey, type it in. hey a Christ like word <laughs> Christ like word be gentle Taylor's. Who Somebody put Taylor <laughs> Swift? You're the worst. Bald snail, Eagle, you got I agree snail. with you 100%. Single, all right, all right. 
Okay. Steve Harvey. This is awesome. <laughs> Apex Predator, I love you. I love you. Bald Eagle, that's Yo, my gamer mama. tag. Come on now. <laughs> what are all these things? Judas. Monkey. <laughs> Elisha. Harvey. Cord on the cob. Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Drew, I like that one there. <laughs> you are my spirit. I am Alex. Abe Lincoln, wow. Didn't Abe, see that coming. Abe Lincoln. Wow. I think I'm probably going to go with Yo Mama on that one. I'll just take that. I'll Yo take Mama Yo has one. Well done. Okay, so that's how this is going to work. That's actually the only word cloud because <laughs> things like Yo Mama can come up. So, um, <laughs> But we're going to do this that way. Um, there's going to be different questions that come up. Um, and so we're going to be talking through a lot of different topics. So it might feel like we're jumping around a little bit. We try to group them as best as we can. Um, and different people on the panel if that's where we can call it, um, we'll be answering different questions. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, Alec, will you pray for us? All right, bow with me. Father God, thank you for tonight. Um, I just thank you that we get the chance to uh, slow things down and change things up and just answer some real questions that people are stressing or that are on people's minds. Um, God, I just pray that you would be here. I pray that your spirit is here. Um, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that we speak not out of arrogance, but out of what we believe, the truth that you have shown us. Um, Lord, I pray that throughout all of this, um, that the hope that we have in you, it shines forth. And I pray that everyone gets to see that, no matter what questions that we're talking about. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. I thank you for these students. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, so this one, before you freak out, don't, don't try and vote, okay? When this slide comes up, this is a content slide, okay? So these are some questions that you guys submitted, and we kind of grouped them together. So that's the, these are questions about confrontation and conflict. So we have, um, how do I confront fellow Christians about sin in their life? What is the best way to practically ap- apply scriptural methods of conflict resolution? And what is the best way to deal with extremely damaging gossip inside a church community? Okay, so these are the questions that we kind of grouped together. Um, and we're going to have you guys answer a question, um, not one of these, but we'll, we'll answer these. Um, but go ahead and answer this. So when it comes to you and conflict, um, confrontation, resolution, I said those backwards, um, I tend to... So these are the options. Uh, Be overly aggressive, confrontational, ignore it. Um, Avoid confrontation but feel angry about it. And want to do it well but I don't know where to start. So go ahead and submit your answer. I feel like we need some like Jeopardy music. I'll just sing for you. I'm just kidding. Somebody put that new Taylor Swift album on. No, this is a Christian event, everyone. No Taylor Swift allowed. What's it called? Daylights or something? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know what it's called. Okay. So coming back to these questions we're talking about, I think I can go backwards. So these are the questions. We're talking about confrontation and conflict. I believe, I can't remember who has these questions um, or who wanted to chime in. I think I do. But go ahead, Scott. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Three things that I wrote down just just as a kind of 
basic understanding about conflict that I think is helpful, can, that can kind of set up a stage and set up a, uh, a, a way for you to handle it well. First of all, that conflict is inevitable. Um, if, you, if you read the Genesis account and you read this, this creation story, right, you see conflict from the very beginning. The moment sin comes in to the picture, conflict ensues. And, and so it's, 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 in a lot of ways, it's hardwired into um, sin and selfishness. It's, it's hardwired into our, our natural way about, therefore, it's inevitable in just about any and every relationship, and especially the ones you care about. Second thing is that conflict is a pathway to closeness. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to get closer to somebody. If you think about that, think of it that way, you would be willing. You wouldn't be willing to deal with conflict if you didn't care about the relationship. Like you, if if you didn't care about this person, weren't going to see them again, why would you bother? But most of our conflict comes with people that we are going to see on a regular basis that we care about at some level, and so that's what makes it hard. But that's, but but the the payoff is a closer relationship. So if you are willing to work through something with someone, you will be closer to them. And then third is um, that conflict is an opportunity to reflect Jesus. Um, it reveals character. It helps us deal with our selfishness. It reminds me that it's not about me. It's not about what I want. Um, it gives us a chance to respond with grace and truth. It gives us an opportunity to, to honor others as we honor our, our, our own needs as well. And so, so th- those are some basic things that I think kind of help set the stage. But um, So I guess what... One of the questions I will answer is the best way to practically ap- apply scriptural methods. If you, if you really, really want to read a treaty on how to handle conflict in a biblical way, there's a book called Peacemaker um, by Ken Sandy that is really, really, really good. It's full of scripture, every single page. Um, but, you know, I, I'll kind of boil down some of his thoughts in, into a way that I've thought about it, which which is I have five, five things that I work through, five steps that I kind of go through in my head when I'm, I'm going to have conflict or I'm going to confront someone about anything. could be relational. could be something I did wrong. could be something I've seen them, them do wrong. could just be something they're doing, something that's destructive in their own life. And the first is to confess my fear or fault. Um, so what am I afraid of in, 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 hand, in uh, having this confrontation? I'm afraid you're going to get upset and not want to talk. I'm afraid I'm going to be taken the wrong way. I'm afraid I'm not going to communicate this as well as I want. Whatever it is. Or, hey, this is, I, I need to apologize for. This is my part in it. So confess fear and fault. State the facts. Um, just, just describe what you saw or what you've heard from them. So state the facts. Show how those facts affect you. So, in other words, don't... Um, don't assume intent. Don't assume, oh, you did this because. Well, you don't know why they did what they did. Ask them, right? So don't. So just state the facts. Describe how those facts affected you. Um, this thing happens in so many of our our conflict in relationships. Is we 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 have a story that we're telling ourselves. They did this because they don't like me. Because they wanted to. Blah blah blah. And, and the more we tell ourselves that story, guess what? The more we see that in them. And so you have to be careful about the story you're telling yourself whenever you're having a, a difficult conversation with someone. And then fourth is say what you, say what you want 
ultimately from this. I, I want us to grow closer. I want us to work through this. Um, do it with honesty and respect. Be truthful. Let the truth be the problem. Hey, this hurt me, and I want to work through it. I don't want to feel this way about you, whatever it may be. And then last is listen well. Give them a chance to respond. Um, let them speak for themselves. Don't try to, again, assume you know what, why they did what they did. So um, that, that's, that's, so if you're taking notes, confess fear and fault, state the facts, describe how those facts affected me, um, say what you want, and then listen. And I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, one, one thing, there was one question on there. I don't know if it's on there. Yeah. Uh, gossip inside the church community. I know, that, I know that exists. I know that can hurt. And it's even worse that it can hinder your relationship with Christ. or your, your relationship with church and your relationship with Christ in many ways, whether you like to admit it or not, or whether you recognize it or not, go hand in hand. So when, when gossip and those kinds of things happen in a Christian community, it it just it it's it's a double edged sword it's it hurts twice as bad because it can damage someone's view of Jesus and it can damage their view of the church and therefore hurt a lot so it's a big deal and and if and if if you're if you're one that's you know talking about others in in ways that may be hurtful or harmful you know ways that that they wouldn't appreciate if they're standing next to you then then you need to make it right and if you're a person that that has um, been spoken about, then you can, all you can do is go back to the beginning, approach that person, you know, um, confess your fear, um, say, say what you, say the facts, describe how those facts affected you, and work through that with them. And then the other big thing is just, um, whether, you're, whether you're the one spreading or the one being spread about is, that grace has to prevail in these things. Um, how much time do we have? You got time. Okay, real quick. Okay, anybody ever heard of Stephen Covey? Say a few of you. Stephen Covey wrote a book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's huge in the '90s. Anyway, maybe early 2000s. But he he tells a story of being on a on a on a subway, and he was it was a sunny morning, and uh, he this this man gets on the subway with, with two, two kids, and the man sits down. He looks exhausted. He sits down, closes his eyes. The kids get on, and they are disruptive. They are bouncing. They are throwing things. They are hitting people. They are they're being loud. They are screaming. They are running up and down the aisles, and the dad is doing nothing about it. And so Covey is describing this as like, man, I was getting... Everybody was like looking around like, whose kids are these? Like, what in the world's happening? This is chaos, and who's going to do something about it? And he's, he, the whole time, he's judging the dad like, oh, my gosh, this is this dad. He doesn't care about his kids. He's going to let his, his kids are going to grow up and be in jail. Like, he's going to crazy town about this dad, right? Just, man, what kind of a father? He doesn't care about his kids. He doesn't care about anybody else. He's just, right? Finally, everybody's, like, looking around like, who's going to say something to this guy? They all look at him, and he finally says, hey, sir, your kids are being really disruptive. Can you, can you get control of them, please? And the man says, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. We just came from the hospital where my wife, their mother, just passed away an hour ago. And I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, Stephen describes something really fascinating to me. He was furious, frustrated, you know, judgmental, angry at this dad. Instantly went away. Why? 
He learned one thing, and it all went away. It's because all of a sudden he saw he had a perspective on this person. He, he, he was able to recognize, wow, there's some way bigger going on here. And he had grace, and he had empathy for, for this man, and it changed everything. All of a sudden it went from judgmental to how can I help, right? And so that's what I believe um, we are called to do as Christians is to purposely work at having a God's perspective on people, to love people and see them the way God sees them. And that will help with a lot of this. If you can let grace prevail and not try to hold everybody to everything that they've done because you wouldn't really want that either. So, quick hits. Um, thank you, Scott. Anything that you guys would add on that conflict resolution? I, the phrase I always loved that just I, you know, I would hear from my dad or see modeled in my dad and my grandpa a lot was like giving people the benefit of the doubt, starting with the idea, like you kind of mentioned on point three, like starting with the idea that I, maybe I don't start with the idea that they're trying to be mean or trying to hurt me, but start with the idea that, man, I, I know this person, I trust this person, they're, they're generally good, I don't think they're trying to do this to me, and just starting from there, and maybe you'll find out different as you go, but I think yeah. that's such a great, great point. I would go so far to say 85% of my anger in conflict has came because I assumed things that were just not even true, you know, so. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on. I'm going to go past that slide we already did. Okay. Here we go. Talked about marriage. Okay. When it comes to getting married, do you think there's such a thing as the one? So to clarify, um, this would be like a soulmate type concept that there's one person that you are destined to marry um, or fall in love with. Um, that's kind of the idea that we're talking about. So we've got a couple of different options. Definitely yes, definitely no. And then yes freaks me out a little. And no, but it would make things simpler. Votes are coming in. Yeah, it's me, and then you guys are actually married, so you can probably. <laughs> no, that doesn't matter. All right. So we're talking about things surrounding marriage, talking about this concept of the one. Alec. Sure. Yeah. Talk about the one. So when it comes to getting married, do you think that there is such a thing as the one? Um, I'm kind of curious as to what the last people would say, no, but it'd make things simpler. Like, in my mind, holy smokes, that would make things so complex. I think you know? that's the yes freaks me out a little. Yeah, I know. But like, it's both and. It could be, no, those two go hand could be a no and it would freak me out. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we have to look around and make sure like, oh, uh, ring on. No, you might have been my soulmate. You know, I don't know. Like, how do we do that? You know? Um, so just to clear, I mean, what I believe is, is my view, and um, I think this is the biblical view, um, Yes, you do have a soulmate, and you want to know how you find your soulmate, you put a ring on the finger, and then you make a commitment to God. Like, that's your soulmate. Uh, Matthew 19 says, uh, what, man has, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so there's not this, like, before time began, God split... I don't know, you have a rib in someone else's, you know, whatever, like... 
Well, Eve did. But. So, well, I'm, I'm going off of I'm going off of some Christian pickup lines right now. Like, I'm sorry, I'm looking for my extra rib. You know, like I just don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Um, Never say that. Use that. that boys. Use that. I got I got a ton. I can just throw. Hey, listen. Place. If you if you use that line and she goes for it, she is the one. Okay. No. No. And you owe me spiritual royalties, but no, I. I genuinely believe, um, I think just to help you with this, there, there isn't such a thing as a soulmate, but there is such a thing as a commitment to God, and that person becomes your soulmate, the one that you're like going to sacrifice for, the one that you're going to lay down your life for, um, that your dreams, whatever you had going forward, they now become like dreams that are like, like for her or for him, that, that's, that's what the idea of marriage is. So one of the things that I was just thinking about with this, um, this idea of a soulmate, um, you can be, I don't know how to transition well into this, um, I think you guys should be a lot less perfectionistic when it comes to looking for the perfect one, or the perfect one for me. I just think you guys have standards in your life that are just not true. Like, you're looking for the supermodel guy or girl that is the perfect Christian and cooks and can fix the car and is kind at all times. Like, you're wanting to date a Hallmark movie, guys. This is not true. So, I would just think that they become your soulmates, and there's a lot of growth that happens in marriage. Um, So, we should all just learn to love people and accept them. And, yeah. So... Anything else from the boys in blue? From the actual married people? <laughs> that, was, that, was our, that was our band name back uh, <laughs> in the boys in blue. Um, I mean, I agree. Amy, Amy is my one as of August 4th, 2006. Like on that day when I made that commitment, she became my one. And, there's, and, and so from here on out, until death do us part, uh, that's the case. And I really do believe I, I agree with the stuff that Alex said there. So. Yeah, I would also agree. Obviously, there's there's something that is pretty profound when when that day comes, right? You you meet someone, you go through the appropriate phases and of dating and whatever, and you evaluate. You have people around you, surrounding you to help you um, see things that maybe love will make you blind to, and all those things. And then you get married. There is something profound about realizing that. Your definition of what you want is in this person now. So, so like, it's no longer, uh, no, you know, because what happens is you, you, you get married to somebody you think you know who they are. And then, like, life changes people. It just does. Like, things change. And, and not, like, total, they're, they're a complete personality shift and all those things. No, but, like, life changes things. Having kids, moving, stress. Losing a parent, losing a child, all kinds of things can change you. And, but what, what Alec is describing is if, if that's your soulmate, then your definition of what you're looking for in someone is, is there. And, and as they change, guess what changes? Your definition of what you want. And so that's, this is the way I believe God's designed it, is, is to be for life so that it's, 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 it's a whole life commitment. And so, yeah, I love it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Think about, like, has God destined for me to marry someone? Like, God has not promised that we will all be, all be married, so 
Do I need to quote Caleb from last semester? No. No? Please don't. Don't. Do you guys want me to quote Caleb? Paulson Bach from last semester? Some of you will die virgins. (laughs) That's just... Amen. Let's pray. That's a reality. That's the reality. So, sorry to break the news. I have a picture. I have a picture of Caleb's face with that quote under it if you need it. If anybody needs it, just let me know. Yeah, so... No, on the one. Except for if you get married, then yes, on the one. Okay, moving on. Talking about relationships as well. Talking about the flip side of this. Waiting and singleness. So here are a couple of questions that you guys sent in. How do I trust God and stay patient while I wait to date? How do you find contentment in singleness? And how can I, this would be specifically from a girl's perspective, how can I feel loved, attractive, admired when I don't have a boyfriend slash get noticed by guys? You could flip that around and say the same thing for guys. So, um, waiting in singleness, let's do a poll here. When it comes to singleness and dating, I am generally content with my current situation, option one. Option two, I'm okay with being single now, but I do worry about single, being single forever. I struggle to feel content with my singleness, or it's ring by spring or bust. All right, all right. I see some of you over there. I knew I could get some of you guys to put that. There's some people in the crowd. You guys need to just watch yourself, okay? (laughs) Just watch yourself around. There's other people in this room who also need a ring by spring. (laughs) Yeah, we might just have a raise of hands. There's not one, but there are another 15. (laughs) Let me help you out there, guys. Oh, it's neck and neck. I think, I think those two 16s should meet up. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Soulmates. Soulmates, right there. Wow, this is very evenly split between these four options. Is this how many people we have in here? There's Somebody do that more. math. I think people are waiting for one so they can <laughs> add it up to the other side. <laughs> all right, all right. There you go. We can't have an odd number of ring by spring. <laughs> Unless you become Mormon. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, so back to these questions on waiting and singleness, talking about um, staying patient, finding contentment, um, and these questions about um, identity. Alec, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, gosh. So for this question, um, how do I stay content in my singleness? Guys, can I just be frank with you? It's tough. Um, This society that we live in, everything is about romance. Everything's about sex. Like you watch a commercial, you listen to music. Like it it is just flooding all of our lives. And so I just want to stop and say like, This is kind of a normal thing for a lot of people to struggle with. I mean, I struggle with it too, um, if I can just be um, honest. Um, Sometimes it's more than others. It seems like there's seasons of it. Um, But it's a cultural thing that just makes it hard. Uh, People around us don't make it easy. Um, I'm going to share a story of a friend of mine that it's kind of funny and kind of harsh. So just be prepared. Um, it's, uh, she is telling me about a coworker of hers who is the sweetest old lady. 
okay? Like genuinely, I'm, I'm talking like, like cares for this woman, okay? And apparently one day she came up to her at work and she's like, um, so-and-so, like, I just want you to know that I am bending my knees before the father that you would find a husband and my knees are getting tired. <laughs> and 100%, like, kind and genuine. There was no, like, like you guys are like, you know, but that's like, but she meant that. And I think a lot of people, they don't understand um, the kind of pressure. And so if I could just say um, one thing that I know you know, um, your worth, your identity is not found in what anyone else can give you. It's not found in what you do in life. It's not found in what you accomplish or how successful you become. It is found in God and what God thinks of you. And he thinks, if you're in Jesus Christ, that you are righteous. You are successful. And if I can just say this, you are living the most authentic human experience possible. And I say that because our, cultural, our culture says that you're not truly living unless you're having sex. You're not truly living unless you have a significant other or you're aiming at that. And I just want to say that's a total lie. Um, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was single his entire life. And some other people from the Bible, like Paul, he says, it is better for you to remain single if you can. And that just hits us. We're like, what? Because we're so distant from that. So you can live the authentic human experience. It is not found in sex. It is found in God Almighty. And one thing I can just, a practical thing to tell you, um, you need to tell yourself that. You need to remind yourself that often. And you need to surround yourself with people that are going to tell you that. Because this culture, it, it, man, it weighs on you. All those love songs, all those rom-coms, I'm not here Looking to... at you, Taylor Swift. Amen. Amen. Preaching against Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. And Adele. But, like, I just want you to know, like, it, it does something. Um, it, like, when you, you listen all the time and you're like, oh, I want that. I'm not there yet. I'm not truly living. Like, that's not true. And we just need to confront that with the truth. I think that's so good. And I think it's important to even, like, to recognize singleness as a gift. Uh, Paul literally calls it that in, in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, man, I wish more of you could operate in singleness because of the freedom it gives you to serve the Lord. He says, but I recognize that everybody has my gift. And he even sees that as a gift. But I think even, even if it's not a lifelong gift, I think to view the time you have now as like this moment, like what, um, if, you, if you are to get married, you will have the rest of your life to be married. Um, but, but you have a, a couple years where the Lord might want to do something in your singleness. And I want to encourage you to like not waste those years, either for just selfishness or in moping, um, but, to, but to actually let the Lord do a work in you that he may want to do that will be harder to do once you're married. And so I think that that's really important. I do want to hear just from your perspective. Rachel, how would you address that like third question? Yeah, just talking about um, like piggybacking off of what you said that like the culture would say, that you are not living, right? If you're in a relationship, if you're not in a relationship, that maybe um, there's something wrong with you, that people, um, a significant other doesn't desire to be in a relationship with you, and that says something about your worth. And that can be easy to, um, which is a lie, by the way, um, it can be easy to start believing that, that if I'm not in a, in a relationship with somebody or if I'm not married by 
fill in the blank. Um, what's wrong with me? And I think that that can create those doubts of like, am I worthy? Am I valuable? And I'm sure that that is true across the board for both men and women, but I think it's um, maybe increasingly true of women um, that it can be easy to feel like if I'm not desired in a relationship, then I must not be worth something. I'm not, I must not be worth a relationship. Um, and that is a lie. Um, I think when we talk about singleness and we talk about relationships, and even when we say, um, what does it look like to be content in singleness? Um, sometimes the back half of that question is because I think the thing that will satisfy me is marriage um, or a relationship. And that's not true either. Like, I don't know if you know this, but people will not be married in eternity. And eternity is way longer than your life right now. Um, And so when we talk about marriage, it's not the thing that fulfills us. Marriage is meant to point to the thing that fulfills us, which is Jesus. Um, And so if you're in this place and you're you're single, and by the way, all of you guys, if you're not married, are biblically single. So almost everybody in this room. Um, It is tempting to let that um, dictate what we think about ourselves and what we think about our identity, but I think it really does come back to rooting ourselves in the truth of what has God said about me, Um, and Jesus died for me, um, and that he sent his son so much and loved us so much that he would die for us, Um, and that is the truth of where our identity is found, Um, not in what someone else thinks, whether that's relationally or just like seeking affirmation from other people. Um, So I would say God has not promised that, but what has God promised himself? Um, He said that abundant life is found in him, John 10.10. And also that God has promised some other really good gifts, that marriage is not promised for everyone, but the family of God has been promised for everyone. Um, And so whether, if you are in Christ, you have brothers and sisters and a bunch of spiritual moms and dads, um, and that is a gift and it's something to be enjoyed. Um, And God has also promised work to be done in the church, like Drew was talking about, if you're single, you have an increased capacity um, for certain things in the church. And so I would say if you're struggling with contentment in singleness, one, to look at where is my identity being placed? Am I placing it in a future relationship or marriage? Um, And two, what has God promised? I want to lean into those things, um, to lean into relationships in the body, in community, in the church, um, and how can I serve well? And I think that... um, what God has promised, he will fulfill, that there's abundant life and satisfaction in him. So that's what I would say about that. Okay, moving on. We have the answer to that one. Good job, guys. Okay, how do I know if I'm ready to date and or be married? So this one we don't have a poll for you. Um, we're just going to straight up answer this one. Um, we're going to... Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go around and say yes, no. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, We're not going to do that. But I think it's Scott. Can you chime in on this? That would be toxic, I think. Very toxic. Right? Is that an appropriate use of that term? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Scott, what do you think about this? Actually, hold on. Hold off. Drew, what do you think about this? Yes, Drew. I'll do it. Uh, So... 
we actually had a guy come speak with us, uh, speak to our group uh, five or six years ago named Randy Garris, who talked a lot about dating relationships. And he says, like, the primary thing that you look for uh, as to, and this is what singleness is for. When I said, like, don't waste singleness and see that as a gift, he says the primary purpose of singleness is to get you, uh, is, is to develop wholeness in you. And that a person is not ready to be married until they are whole. And he defines wholeness as a few different things. One, he says, uh, do I have the ability to have, like, happiness in my life without, uh, without relying or depending on other people or depending on things? And a person who has a general ability to have, like, a joy in their life without needing someone else to supply that for them, that they have to borrow that joy from another person or borrow that joy from things is a big sign. Another one is, like, a a level of responsibility, that a person is beginning, like, taking care of themselves, that a person is doing things that are, like, uh, that are showing maturity and an ability to take care of themselves. And then another thing is, and this is kind of close to, joy uh, or happiness, but contentment. And, and am I the kind of person who is okay with what I am and where I am at this time? Am I the type of person who's okay with what my life is? In other words, he says, basically, marriage should be two people coming together like this, not what is often the case, two people coming together like this. And that is that they are leaners. They have to lean on somebody to support them, to provide, sorry, thank you, uh, to, provide, to provide the happiness. If I don't have this person, I'm not happy. If I don't have this job, I can't be content. If I don't have, like, someone who has to lean into others for that all the time is not going to be able to help carry in a marriage when the time comes. And so that becomes a really, wholeness is a really big word, I think, for knowing when you are able to start considering. And listen, none of us are perfectly whole. At any given moment. I'm not perfectly whole. I still struggle with these things. But a general trend towards those things is really big, I think, uh, to, to ask yourself. And to ask other people that question. Do you see these things in me? Do you see, like, a, a maturity and wholeness that looks like you'd be ready to date? Or ready to, uh, if we're dating, or do you think we may be ready for marriage? Those kinds of things. So, Yeah. Any, I, was gonna, I wanted to say the boys in blue again, but I can't. So, <laughs> Scott, or Alec? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say on the other side. If you get married and you're not whole, um, which happens all the time, by the way, um, that's why there's marriage counselors. That's why there's that's why we have a marriage ministry that, that trains marriage mentors to 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 mentor couples. So I, I this new role that I'm in, I get to see on this other side of what what it looks like when we don't do that well. And by the way, it's not just it's not just two leaners. Sometimes it's one person and one person leaning. You know, one person that's good, but then. The, uh, they, they're married to somebody who has to, has to have them or has to have somebody. And so um, it, it affects marriages. It really, really does. And, and most marriages, if they don't work this out, if they don't do this, um, they, won't, they won't make it. Or, or if, if they do make it a long term, it's not great. It's just maybe okay or it's, it's less than okay. And so... I mean, what Drew is saying is is so huge, and I think the, the only the only thing that I would try to caution you is thinking what he said is I've got to be perfectly mature before I ever date. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying be aware that like if if you're going into this hoping that this thing will that someone else is going to fulfill you, um, and a lot of times we don't see that we don't. But we, that's why we need godly people around us. That's why we need older people. Who, who love the Lord and know you that can speak uh, 
these things into you, but it's a, it's a big deal. I love what Randy said about wholeness. It's a huge, huge deal. So, Anything, Alec? Yeah, that's good. When he talked about um, those habits and like that somebody needs to be a whole person, um, he said habits, and I was just thinking about our formational rhythms as one of our values and commitment to the church, that both of those things, being known in community and having those habits that build your life, um, whether that's personally, like getting enough sleep, like you need to be somebody who's getting enough sleep and um, has good phone usage. And you want to date somebody who um, is regularly in the Word, has these habits and these different things. And so um, somebody who is growing up in Jesus, that's what you want to be, and that's the type of person that you want to date. Um, yes? On that note, from this cue from Drew, we are going to take a break. And unplanned, I was, I didn't know where we were. So, okay, take a break. The bathrooms are back there. Hot Get chocolates. a hot drink. Or not. Roll up your sleeves because it's toasty in here and get a hot yes, drink. We'll be back in three. Okay. Um, so, we're going to talk about this first question. What, how, do, sorry. How do I deal with sexual desires in a holy way? Scott, do you want to start us off? Yes. Um, I did write some... There were, there were several questions kind of around this. I did write some thoughts down. Um, first of all, that, that you know, again, what, what I want to do is start with generic things. This is, so we started doing Q&A nights a decade ago, and what we realized was it is so hard to be specific with these questions because I don't know if there's 150 of you in here, but there's 150 applications to a lot of these things and each of you have your own thoughts and in whatever experiences and so this is why we have these coffee mugs right i don't know if you but it's like we'd rather sit down over a cup of coffee and and talk with you about your question and your experience of what's going on in your head or what you're wrestling with so it's really hard to be specific okay so i i, I want to start with some generic things that that are are true because it helps build a foundation to where we want to go. But God created uh, us with abilities and inclinations um, that are good, I believe. And, and yet, we need to seek Him in order to use them in a way that glorifies Him and is best for us. So, that, that goes with natural abilities, that goes with relationships, that goes with uh, attraction, that goes with sexual desires, that goes with all kinds of things. And so... Starting from that premise is God gave it, and it's good, and it, had, it gave it for a purpose and a reason. Um, but just like everything else, if, if we don't use it for his, the way he wants us to use it, it, it goes bad. And so that, that's first and foremost. And if you, if you can't get past that one, if you can't get past the idea that God made something that has to be, that we have to seek him for how to use it, how to do it, how to experience it, how to whatever... Then, then, then you're not going to... It really doesn't matter what else we say. If you're not willing to say, I want to do it your way, God. I want to I understand this your way. Um, freedom in Christ happens when we love Jesus and his life for us more than we love temporary and earthly things. So I believe it's one of the questions was, how do I break out of this sin cycle? And I believe you can. I absolutely believe you can. And I believe you can be free from the past experiences and, and, or even abuse. I believe, I believe all of that is true. And I believe that we're, we are created in a way to take these things to God and to his people 
and, and to be free from. And so I believe that happens. But I believe it happens as we love him and love, our, love his life for us, his desires for us, and the, instead of wanting temporary things, wanting earthly things. So Colossians 3, 1 through 4 is huge for me um, because it describes seeking Jesus, looking to Jesus, fixing your eyes on him, not on earthly things, but fix your eyes on him because that's where your life is. If, if you are in Christ, your life is hidden in him, and he's the one that reigns supreme over everything. So there's really nothing that could go on in your life that he can't handle. So if you're seeking him, you're seeking your life in him, and then that's one through four. And then verse five, Colossians three, says, now put to death these earthly things. And the first one is sexual immorality. So, so Paul's given us, I believe, an order there. Is, is if I want to overcome um, lust or, or pornography or, or whatever, sex, outside of God's um, design, then I first got to seek him and his desires for me. And then, I can, then with his help, I can put to death these things. And the last, last one, it's a big one, is that we're complicated um, creatures. Um, in, in psychology, they, they, they talk about the biopsychosocial aspects, and I would add spiritual. So biological, psychological, sociological, spiritual. So we have, there's so much about us. Um, we're, we're complicated and so if, if I have, if I'm, if I'm doing destructive things, okay, if I have, if I have habits or if, I, if, I, if I'm in destructive cycles of sin or whatever, um, it's, it's for a host of reasons. It can be for a host of biopsychosocial spiritual reasons. And so to say there's one quick fix to these things is not true because we need, we need to, to understand all of it, like... It's amazing. If I don't get sleep, I don't process things well, I don't handle stress well, I react to certain things, I make decisions, I, I lack willpower to say no to things that are bad for me, right? And then it, it goes downhill. That's just, that's just lack of sleep. You, you add on to it chemical things that are going on, you add on to it um, tra- traumatic experiences or things that we, that we saw growing up, you add on to it ways in which our, our family related or people treated us or Whatever, like it, it goes on and on and on. And so um, if, if you're out there and, and you're, you're struggling with any sort of destructive cycle that, that, that takes control and affects your life, and, um, then you need to know like there are people that can help you work through those things and help you understand those things and get control of those different aspects. And everybody is different in that way. So anyway, that's... That's, that's, I don't know, a general basic thing that I would start with. And obviously we can be specific if we want to go there. But Yep. Anything else from you guys? All right. So there's a couple different questions talking about um, shame we experience over sin. So this could be um, past or current. Um, some questions you guys submitted. How do I overcome shame from past sexual sin? And what if I feel like I'm living a double life with being a Christian but still having secret sin? Um, so we have a poll for you guys. When it comes to shame over sin, here are some options. Knowing this is not going to encompass you all the time, all the people. But um, generally, I struggle with shame over present sin but not past sin. I struggle with shame over past sin but not present sin. I struggle with shame over both past and present sin or this isn't really an issue for me. So go ahead and put where you're at on that.
All right. Drew, this do you want to speak to is, that? This is fascinating to me. I really actually thought that we were going to see more of the first one, actually. And so it's really interesting to hear me, to, to, to just kind of see this play out and see these two different sides of it, because we're actually dealing in some ways with two different things. Uh, and, and I actually, uh, if you are a Christian, uh, it would seem by and large, I think I can say this fairly in the New Testament, that shame is not actually a word that applies to us as Christians. Uh, because shame is something that was removed through Jesus Christ. And specifically when we talk about past sin, First uh, John 1, 9 says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, uh, which means like there, there is no such thing as shame over your last sin. Uh, the feeling you have inside is a false feeling. It is not a true feeling. That feeling is something that is tied to like, man, I... Um, now, you can feel conviction over current sin specifically, and you should feel conviction over current sin. And this is where actually like if... What if I feel like I'm living a double life because of secret sin? Um, then you should repent because if there is secret sin, you, you are. Now, I'm not saying that, that everyone needs to know everything that's going on in your life, but there should be someone in your life that you are confessing these things to. Sin always thrives in the dark. And therefore, guilt and shame always thrives in the dark. And when I can bring those things to the light, uh, sometimes that may mean, sometimes if I'm still struggling with shame over past sins, I, I might need to be able to actually share that to a brother or a sister, to a, to a pastor, um, just so I can bring that to the light. And even it is good for me sometimes to hear the words from somebody else. You are forgiven in Christ Jesus. And to know that those things, I need to hear those words out loud sometimes. Um, and then if there is current sin, that is unconfessed or unrepentant sin. Like if I am continuing to live in it, yes. Uh, I don't want to live in shame, but I should feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in me. And if I don't feel a conviction over that, if I can continue in sin in the same pattern over and over again and, and do one thing secretly and then go be a different person, and that doesn't bug me, and I don't feel a tension or pain, something is wrong in me there. And I, I ought to feel that until I bring that before Jesus in repentance and allow him to forgive me, uh, to, to cleanse me of that. He died for that already already forgiven in him. And now I want to bring that to him so he could pronounce that forgiveness and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Um, so I, I would say both, you know, it, shame is never meant to be a part of our lives as Christians because Jesus took that. Uh, repentance and conviction should be a consistent part of our lives when we're wrestling with sin. That's good. That's good. All right. We're going to move on to anxiety. So here's a question that was submitted. I battle with anxiety more than I know how to handle. I pray, I read the Bible, I do everything I know how, and nothing seems to help. I don't know what to do. I, do I seek a counselor? What do I do? So go ahead and answer this poll on anxiety. It's kind of like, do you strongly disagree or strongly agree with this statement? You can kind of put where you're at according to, or based on this statement, anxiety is an ongoing struggle in my life. I believe this is a seven-point scale. Is that right? Ooh. Are you becoming anxious right now? <laughs> Does silence make you anxious? Stop. <laughs> okay. Um, with that in mind, Scott, can so for context, explain a little bit of... We didn't really introduce Scott very well, but explain a little bit of your... 
expertise. That's why I told somebody that you're a guru. Um, Talk to us about anxiety, Scott. Well, I'm not an expert in anxiety. Let me just say that, okay? Um, But that's not true. Um, But I will say that there's so much um, that we could say. First of all, I would say not all anxiety is bad. I believe that if, if you have a responsibility that God wants you to take care of, and you're not taking care of that responsibility, it may hang over your head, and it may cause anxiety. Because you've got to do what you've got to do. If you, if you have a paper to write, and, and you need to pass this class in order to graduate, and you haven't written the paper, and you have anxiety about it, guess what? Because you're, you're supposed to write the paper. And so, like, yeah, it, it, some, sometimes it can be that simple, but sometimes I think we've lumped anxiety into it's all bad. No matter if I ever feel it, it's all bad. It's like, well, let's, let's, this, is why you need, this is why you need trusted people who know you, who can ask good questions in your life to say, so well, what, what is it about? What's, it, what's, it, what's surrounding it? Let's, let's break this apart. Let's, is it connected to a bunch of things? Let's figure out what those things are and let's talk about those things because maybe this is just as simple as you need to take this responsibility. And, and then, but sometimes there are... There are other factors going on and everybody not everybody but people experience anxiety in different ways and so um i mean the thing about it is there are there are physiological things happening in your brain and in your body um that when 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 anxiety is going on i mean um i was just looking i was just watching a series on right now media which we can give you access to um with with a lot of these topics there's there's these like really solid teaching series videos on this, this thing called Right Now Media, and we can give you a free subscription to this. You can, like, tens of thousands of videos are on this thing. But there's one called Managing Anxiety, and I watched a few of the videos, and it's really, really, really helpful. And so there's some resources out there that can help you walk through this and help you kind of break down and figure out where you're at and what's what's causing anxiety for you. Um, but... But but a lot but there's so many there's there can be some physiological and, and neurological things happening um, that that you, that would be helpful to understand so that you know how to be aware of what's going on inside of you how to how to how to combat maybe what's going on um, sometimes it can be as simple as just having somebody to process these, these things with it can be it can be as simple as um, uh, you know working through a resource um, and talking through it with somebody. Uh, it can be ha- having healthier habits, you know, what you eat and what you don't eat and how much sleep you're getting. All those things, those formational habits play a big role in, in this. And so sometimes that, and sometimes it could require like a chemical um, a t- a taking medication, right? Some sort of outside influence that helps you balance certain things that aren't balanced um, for whatever reason. And sometimes that can be temporary um, in order to get you in a place where you can work through some things, and sometimes that can be long term, and and that's okay. And so there are there are doctors and there are people that can help you figure that out. If if you've worked through these things and you can, you can't seem to, the, the the issue the big issue is the level to which you seek help is the level to which you can't function, and that's that's something. If like if if it's manageable, then you need to talk to somebody about it. Obviously. And if, it's, and if you can't function, if you end up not able to do th- things that you need to do, then that's, that's when you need to talk to somebody about it. 
and, and, and get some help. And there's lots of help out there. But those are, those are a few quick things that I thought of. Um, but I would love actually to, to post the link to the Right Now Media because, like I said, there's so many great resources out there they could check out. If I can, and Scott, this is actually kind of a not fully formulated thought, so you're welcome to hop back in on what I'm about to say and then refine it. Um, but I'm actually, so I, I struggle with a lot of anxiety. Um, I don't know if you guys know that. People, are, you guys might be like, bullcrap. But like, no, I really do. Um, it's, it comes out in different ways. It actually started to develop when I was uh, 21 and first moved away from um, OSU. And so it's part of life. And so I know a lot of the questions that you guys wrestle with. And I want to just address one when it comes to anxiety. Um, a big hindrance and almost a sense of shame that's in so many of your sources. It's like, if I just had more faith, if I just um, could believe in God, if the peace of Christ would just, if I just believed that the peace of Christ would guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, then I'd be good. And a lot of you feel like the weight, like, ah, why can't I just believe? And some of you, it, it hinders you from seeking help from uh, professionals um, like Scott or uh, whatever the spectrum of professionality is. Um, and I just, I want to say, going back to that first thing, that if this is taking care of ourself, it's something that God has given us, not for like the self-care sins, but like to be human beings and to love God and love others, um, then I think it is a spiritual thing to go seek help in this and seek wisdom. So I don't know if that's medication or if that's just talking it out. I just want to take off that shame on you for not believing in Jesus enough because that can be a lot of you guys. It's good. It's good. All right, moving on. We have this question um, talking about the Christian life. Um, I love God. I have a relationship with Jesus. Um, I want to feel that spark in my soul. I feel like something is missing. How can I take my passion further, um, respark it? How do I balance, um, sorry, work on consistency while juggling my responsibilities? We have a quick poll for you guys on this one. Um, select where you fall on the scale. Agreeing or disagreeing with this statement, I wish I felt more passion in my relationship with Jesus. On the five-point scale. No, Lord, too much. Alex suffers from too much passion. Okay, Drew, talk to us a little bit about passion and our relationship with Jesus, the Christian life. Yeah, let's try to be quick. So uh, I have found a lot of help in thinking through this when I compare this to like other relationships. So like for, say, my example or my my. my relationship with my wife like what I want is that I would be like so overflowing with love for her and so like so filled with warmth and passionate feelings for her that I just constantly want to do things for her that I constantly have this feeling and I just desire to always go buy her flowers or to clean the house every time she's gone so that she comes back and that just flows from this overflow of deep uh, emotion and intimacy towards her, those kinds of things. But, but the truth is, that's not what my life is a lot of times. And, and there are times, actually, when I do, actually, I feel so overwhelmed with the love for her that I want to do stuff for her, and I do it. And then there are a lot of times when it's not. So the question is this, is that bad? 
when I don't have those feelings for my wife? And if you answer yes or if you answer no too quickly, you're probably off a little bit. The truth is, like, I, I, want, to, I want to operate primarily where my, where my interactions with my wife flow from affections for her. I want that. I want, that's the ideal, and that's what I always want to move towards. But I also know that, that, is not, uh, that that's not always going to be the case. And that that's somewhat normal to have those things. Now, the, what a lot of people do in marriages is they go, I've stopped feeling those things towards my spouse, and so therefore this must have been a mistake. Or therefore I must have fallen out of love with them, or those kinds of things. But actually, no, it doesn't mean that. Actually, it means that I, when I don't desire to clean the house out of a great love for my wife, do you know what I do? I clean the house. Uh, out of a desired love for my wife. C.S. Lewis says, if you really, really struggle to love someone or care for someone, if someone just gets on your nerves and you hate them and you cannot figure out how to get yourself to like them, the best thing you can do is act as though you already do. Is begin to treat them as as though you already love them. And that's because everyone thinks that it only works one way, that my desires create my actions. So I really, really love my life, or my life, my wife, and I buy her flowers. I really, really love my wife. I've got these crazy desires and, and responses, and so that leads to me uh, cleaning the house or taking the trash out or doing whatever it is, those kinds of things. And there is some truth to that, but actually just as much, if not more so, my actions actually lead to my desires. That when I begin to do things and treat my wife in a certain way, that it creates this kind of love for her. That's the same, actually, with my relationship with God. If I am struggling to feel a deep love for him, the best thing I can do is act as though it's there. And that's not disingenuous. That's not, that's not being two-faced. That's not being inauthentic. What I am doing is I'm actually putting my body and my life in a position so that my heart can catch up to it. Now, here's, here's another thing. If my... If my actions affect my desires, here's something you should just know. If I wake up every morning and before I say hello and good morning to my wife, if I actually text another woman, good morning first, and I do that every, t- every morning, even if it's not like a sexual thing, even if it's not, but there's just other women that I'm constantly texting, good morning, I hope you have a good day, before I turn to my wife and say good morning. If every free minute I have, I, I find my time actually like texting back and forth or calling other women, even if not in a romantic way, I should not be surprised if I find my heart less and less fascinated with my wife. And if I wake up every morning, the first thing I do is I go to TikTok and I scroll through that. I shouldn't be fast. I shouldn't be surprised that I have a greater fascination with the things of TikTok than I do with the things of God. And if I'm really into like uh, certain like fitness, uh, personal fitness influencers, and I'm constantly reading up on those things, I'm constantly trying to figure out, I shouldn't be surprised if I, I'm actually more fascinated with like personal fitness than I am with the things of God, because I have time and time and time and time and time again trained my heart towards loving those things. And so there is some level where I need to actually, there are a lot of neutral, non-sinful things you can do that can cause your heart to slowly grow cold towards God. Um, just like it might not be wrong for me to text another woman, but to do that every morning over and over again before I'm even texting my wife, there's something that's wrong, and that, that's going to begin to shape me. And so I need to think in terms of how do, I, how do I make sure that I am giving more of my time to the things of the Lord? Um, and, and I'm not talking about praying for five hours a day. I'm not talking for about reading my Bible for five hours a day. I'm also saying I shouldn't be watching Netflix five hours a day, and I shouldn't be on TikTok five hours a day. And at least I shouldn't do that and expect that my heart's going to continue to grow warm towards God. So there's more than I wanted to say, but just want to throw that out. That was good. Okay. 
That was a dad talk, by the way. I don't know if you, <laughs> know if you picked talk. up on that. That was a dad talk. That was a dad talk. And he did it, and I'm proud. Yep. Okay, second to last question, I believe. Um, talking about our involvement with the local church, these are your options. I love and have a strong commitment to my church. I believe it's important, but if I'm honest, I struggle to be motivated. I like my church, but I don't really know anyone there except other college students. Or the last one, I'm not really into it. Church is really into you. Sounded weird. Kind of. It sounded weird. <laughs> kind of. Just uh, spin that in a good way. <laughs> okay, so this question, did you, is there a question on there that we, do we have the question there? Uh, nope. Okay, so this question sprung from this one. If, if I feel like I'm growing at the table in my small group, and if I go to church, but I'm primarily just going to college Sunday school and sitting in the service with other college students, why is church so important? And someone asked this question. They said, I'm not trying to fight. I'm just trying to understand. You guys stress the local church a lot. I feel like I'm just walking into this room to hang out with more college students. And I feel like I'm growing fine. So why not just do the table in small group? And that's a good question. I'll say, like, I'll try to say real quick three things. Uh, maybe three things. We'll see how many come out of my mouth here. Um, uh, the first thing is just uh, I really do believe uh, that one of the reasons we stress this a lot is because, number four, Jesus is really into his church. Uh, and Jesus really loves the local churches, his bride. And, and when we say church, we mean capital C church, but that is made up of a bunch of uh, lowercase c churches. That's the local churches with actual like elders and leadership where communion is practiced by the brothers and sisters and the saints and where we're baptizing people and where we're coming together in corporate prayer. That's like a really big deal. And Jesus loves the church. And ministries like crew or the table or, or charities and stuff, they're all bridesmaids. Uh, that means they're not the point. Uh, and, and so the bridesmaids are there to actually help the bride. And, and they're there to actually support towards that. I will say this. Uh, the person who's asking, this is a really good question. And this is one of the reasons that we do not encourage you to attend church. We encourage you to involve yourself and integrate yourself into the life of the church. And so we, we want you to show up, but we want you to more than show up. We want, you to, we want you to be serving in the church and be around other adults. We want you to actually, uh, we'd love for you to come to men's events that come here, men's connections that come here uh, first Saturday of every month. We want guys to come to men's connection and be around other guys. Um, we want those kinds of things. And here's kind of the third thing I'll say. There are a lot of students who do really good in college at following Jesus because they can be connected to a bunch of people their age in a ministry that caters primarily to them. And then when they leave college, they do not know how to be connected into an intergenerational body of Christ. And so we want really hard, really, we really strongly want you to learn what it is to be a part of a church that, that is not primarily aimed at your age group because you're not going to have that from here on out. We want you to learn how to be connected and deeply involved with older people who can pour into you. We want you to deeply serve and love younger people who are coming behind you because that's what your future is in the church. And, and that's a good future. Um, you're going to get to be a part of and give yourself to a church that Jesus is really into. And so that's what we want for you too. Yes, bridesmaids. Write that down. That was off the top of his head. I've never heard him say no, that, but I like it. Head, yeah, okay. okay, he's been thinking about it I stole it, it from years. other people smarter than me. Um, okay, this is our last question, um, and you get to choose which one we answer. So, option one, 
I don't feel like I know enough to share the gospel with someone else. Oh, sorry. This is not a question. This is what it describes you. So sorry. Um, I don't know. I know. Sorry. I know what to say, but I'm afraid to say it. Or I feel confident in my ability to tell people about Jesus. And that last one, sharing the gospel feels like I'm forcing my beliefs on another person. So pick which of those best describes you. This is surprising to me too, actually. I did not, I I really would have thought the first two. Yeah, I totally would have thought the, uh, I was, I was typing you guys. I thought you were going to be in uh, the top right. Yeah. Okay, Alec, how would you, like, I mean, uh, this is something we brought Alec on, actually, to do, like, outreach and do those kinds of things. So, Alec, how have you, like, wrestled through this stuff? Man, I kind of want to just talk to each one of these categories real quick. Um, maybe I'll come back to it. Uh, I want to read a verse. Here's a sneak preview for, tomorrow, for next week's table. It's 1 Peter 3, and I think it's uh, verse 15. Um, I think Your hand motions are weird. Yeah, well, no, it, uh, <laughs> Peter wanted it to happen. It's part of the Holy Spirit. It's part, guys, this is part of the gospel presentation. You've got to get the hand motions. <laughs> it's Italian. That's, and that's okay. why anyway, the number four okay. category. Gospel, guys. Serious stuff. Um, Verse 15, maybe I'll start with 14. Um, Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Um, There's a lot that could be said there. Um, A couple things I want to say. It begins, so like, maybe I'll just start with like, Sharing the gospel feels like I'm forcing my beliefs on another person. Um, maybe that's the way that you've seen the gospel um, done, is you just say, hey, sit down, we're going to have a talk. I don't, you don't want to have this talk, but we're going to have this talk. Um, and I understand um, that a lot of these, when we think of sharing the gospel, we think of people walking in the streets, we think of people shouting at someone, we think of people going up cold calling at the at uh, the student union, and honestly, it freaks a lot of us out. It's like, I don't even know these guys, and they're just coming up to me and asking me the most deep and personal questions about my life. Like, are you going to go to hell? Like, where do you, what do you believe about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? And you're like, holy smokes, way too much, way too fast. I don't think it has to be that way. In fact, I don't think that's the description that Peter says right here. He begins with this deep reverence for Jesus, and then he says, be ready to talk about it. Be ready to give a defense for someone about the hope that is in you. Um, You can talk about Christ with people and not be pushy. You can talk about Jesus and uh, about where they are and about um, their feelings about certain things and not feel like you're interrogating them. Um, it's a conversation that not many people want to have the first time it's opened up. But honestly, if you have a relationship with someone, people are open because they know you care about them. So I just want to give you the courage to don't do it the one way that you've seen it and do it in relationships. 
One of the things that I would very much encourage you guys when it comes to uh, sharing the gospel is start with listening. Start with a question. Um, say, hey man, my friend, if I'm assuming I'm talking to my friend right now, um, this is something that I believe and I know that you have a background in this stuff or maybe they don't have a background in this stuff and we've never got to talk about it. Where are you with this? And you just listen Part of the time that you, you're bringing Christ into the conversation, you're not expecting them to come to Christ like that. A lot of this takes place over a long period of time. And if they never come to Christ, it's okay. All you're called to do is share a reason for the hope that is in you. You're not called to baptize people. You're not called to save people. But you're called to talk about the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And so... I don't know, that's some of my thoughts. Listen, have a relationship, but deeply, deeply revere Christ the Lord. Um, I think it stems from there. Okay, Um, so there were a lot of questions that you guys submitted, and there were a lot that we couldn't get to, some that were more um, theological, some that were more specific, and so really, like, we know, one, we've gone long, I'm sorry, Um, but I'm also not sorry, because I think that our questions are really important, and the questions that you have are important, so whether or not you felt like, oh, I'm glad they didn't make me put my name to this, because, like, I kind of wish I didn't have this question. Um, Or whether you're like, no, I've been dying to ask this question, and I'll ask anyone and everyone. Um, Questions are important, and like Alex said, like we want to do our very best to hear your questions, um, to listen well, and to respond as we see the Word of God um, responding to all these different questions, whether it is Christian life questions, or how do I share the gospel, or relationships, or conflict Um, We believe that the Word of God is true, and we want to submit our lives to that, but that doesn't mean that it's always super clear or easy. Um, And so we brought our mugs as, like, kind of a joke um, that we we want to get coffee with all you guys, but we actually really do. Um, So if we were not able to get to your question um, or if something we said spurred on some more questions for you, we're serious. Like, we want to buy you a cup of coffee, and we want to talk about it. Um, I think, actually... I have a slide um, with our numbers on it. So you can save those. Um, I put Scott's up there. He doesn't as a bonus. even work here anymore. He's like, everyone texts Good, him. my number's just out and about. Um, but we, Randy's not here, um, but she has so much wisdom. She taught last week, and it was fire. Um, so she has a lot of wisdom. But you really can text us. Please identify yourself when you text us who you are, because we might not know. Um, but we really would love to get coffee with you guys um, and talk through some more of these questions if we didn't get to it tonight. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, tomorrow night is pumpkin carving at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the table. Mm-hmm. So come. Yes. Or you can paint a pumpkin. So come at 7 p.m. We'll have, like, some fun goodies and stuff um we'll see you tomorrow at the table if you have more questions you want to talk to us afterwards if you're new come meet us we'll be up here thanks for hanging with us guys we love you we'll see you tomorrow deuces